0: This episode is sponsored by Sadlier. For over 188 years, Sadlier has been providing meaningful, catechetical, and proven academic resources for Catholic educators. Show your students that stream, science, technology, religion, engineering, arts, and mathematics all work together as part of God's design. Download your free stream lesson plans today at sadlier.com slash stream NCEA. That's sadleer.com slash stream NCEA. Hello and welcome to the NCEA podcast. I am Jill Annable, the Executive Director for Academic Excellence here at NCEA. And today we have an exciting episode for you all. I am joined by two excellent teachers. And I can't wait for our conversation here about design thinking and classroom practices associated with all the things that encompass a great stream program in our Catholic schools. Um, So I am so pleased to have our two teachers with us today. We have Amy Zakryzik, who teaches at St. Thomas the Apostle in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Amy, can you tell us a little bit more about the grade level you teach and how long you've been in Catholic schools?
1: Good morning, everybody. Um, I have been at St. Thomas for 13 years now, and I teach a fourth and fifth grade multi-age class.
0: That is excellent. And you've taught other grades before, though, haven't you?
1: In fact, I taught kindergarten when we started the design thinking process, and I currently have my fourth graders that I had in kindergarten. So these kiddos have actually experienced design thinking at the kindergarten level, and now they are uh, being reintroduced to it at the fourth grade level.
0: That's great. And then my other guest is Elizabeth Dorora. She teaches at St. Patrick's School in Parnell, Michigan. Elizabeth, tell us more about who you teach and how long you've been there.
2: Well, hello everyone. I am Elizabeth and I have been in Catholic schools now for, oh my goodness, 12 years um, and this is my seventh at St. Pat's in Parnell. I'm the third grade teacher there and that's all I've taught in um, Michigan. When I lived in Minnesota, I was director of childcare care and DK and taught second grade.
0: I love the many hats uh, we all we all wear as Catholic educators, and your stories both echo that as well. Okay, so our topic today, I can't wait to talk about this. Um, the three of us crossed paths for the first time back in the summer of 2016. At the time, um, I was also teaching in the same diocese at one of our high schools, at West Catholic High School, um, as a high school English teacher. And we all must be yes people, because all three of us signed up for a summer experience, a professional development experience at Xavier University in Cincinnati, Ohio. And it was called Human-Centered Design. And the incredible moment of that three-day workshop down in Cincinnati was that the 20 or so of us who all signed up for this came from all different grade levels in, I believe, five different schools, some of us high school, some elementary, you know, I was English, but we also had history teachers and we had uh, theology teachers and just almost every grade level at the elementary level, all at this experience together. And I believe it may have been one of the first times in recent history that diocesan teachers from various schools went in depth for multiple days together on a new topic. And I enjoyed um, meeting each of you. And then the funny part there is that by the end of day three, I became the assistant superintendent. So I had the joy then of launching that school year and visiting each of your classrooms and understanding more about how you were going to implement design thinking. Um, and okay, so this, this episode is not going to go through all the details of design thinking and what, what we mean by that, but it is a critical thinking process where you go through different stages. And through those stages of the process, your students begin to think more deeply and more with an increase based model. So first they are understanding the problem and understanding the humanness of the problems that we try to solve with engineering and then they ideate and then they build prototypes and then they test solutions and then like all things in the real world it cycles back. Nothing's ever perfect and it's more about the process than the product and I think that shift happened immediately in both of your classrooms. So I cannot wait to hear um, from each of you a little bit more about what did you change right away in the fall of 2016 in your classrooms because of learning about human centered design
1: well Jill um, for one I found myself becoming more a guide on the side rather than that stage on the stage and I was still imparting knowledge but yet it was more open-ended and it was it was a shift, definitely, um, especially at the kindergarten level, because you you tend to want to just impart that knowledge on those kindergartners, and yet um, an opportunity kind of arose very naturally. And I have to think it was a, a God thing that um, He knew I had had this training, and He said, "All right, let's see if you can uh, do something with it." And we had a situation on the playground where the kindergartners were wanting to ride down a ramp on some little trucks that were outside. And yet that was not very practical because they were not made to be ridden on. And so we had a real life um, problem to solve. And it was amazing to see what transformed. And I can go ahead into detail about it now if you'd like. Um, But we, we really looked at what we could do to solve this problem. And these kids came up with the idea that maybe they could make scooters. And it was so amazingly cool to see what they did. Um, They had little post-it notes and they each had to draw their own design and then present to the class. And then in the discussions, we talked about what parts of each design really would work and which parts would maybe make sense and which parts they liked. And then I had like four groups um, that kind of transformed naturally um, they started um, really coming together with how they were going to design their scooter, what, what they needed. They gave me a list of what they needed. I brought it back to school and it was probably a month or so that it took them to build these little scooters complete with wheels and cup holders. And it was just amazing to see how they designed the scooter that they then used on the playground.
0: That's incredible. And I remember visiting your classroom that fall and realizing how much you had shifted um, into more shared control. I mean, you don't know when you start a classroom project based on a need you see and having students discover a solution through asking them, how might we solve this problem is much different than having a planned unit in front of you. I wanna go over to Elizabeth and ask the same that same question. What shift did you make right away, and um, how did your classroom maybe feel different?
2: When I got back into the classroom, um, I encountered a class that had issues with problem-solving and peer relationships. And so I went about it very differently than Amy did because there wasn't a physical problem that we had to start with. We had to learn how to work together and, I made a shift that year from desks to tables to facilitate that. And I just really wanted to work on collaboration and problem solving as a group. And so one of the things that I really worked on was the first step of design thinking, which is empathize and empathy and noticing what's around you, noticing the problems and then diving into it. So we probably spent all of September and maybe into October really taking apart when we had issues and figuring out what that what the root of that problem was and really coming up with um, empathy for each other and empathy for the problem and how do we go about how might we solve a problem between people so I I definitely want to about it a little differently than Amy um, but i it's still within that scope of design thinking.
0: Absolutely. And i think it's i think it's a mind shift and that's what's really hard is is approaching your classroom practice what i'm hearing you discuss both of you is that you shifted the way you were going to solve the problem in a classroom. And as teachers, we make a thousand decisions every minute. And our brains really shouldn't be working harder than the students in the classroom too. So bringing them into that process of how might we work together this year, how might we design our classroom environment to to be tables where you choose your own seats as opposed to um, being assigned those spots. And and all those those little things that I saw in that shift in 2016 um, probably carried through. And we'll talk a little bit later about what that looks like in this school year. But I wanna recognize that it's sometimes very difficult for teachers to shift their practice. How do you take a leap like that as a teacher to go to professional development, learn something new, know that it's going to be better for your students, and then you have to make that big call of saying, okay, I'm gonna shift the way I'm doing this. And I think Amy said a little bit earlier, maybe it's through prayer, but how do you um, kind of coach yourself through a big shift?
1: I, I think it has to, like with any, new that we learn in teaching. It has to really fit who you are as a person. And sometimes um, we as teachers, we're in a rut and we're kind of used to doing things the same way. And yet with design thinking, you just take that leap of faith and say, watch what can happen with my class and release that control and really put it in the hands of your kids to, to see what they can come up with. And I am so constantly amazed when I step back and I think, wow, they thought of that. That is awesome. And they, they sometimes come up with really good ideas. And, and, you know, we need to let ourselves step back and let our kids explore and be those collaborators and work together and problem solve. And, and it's a release of control. And, and sometimes that's hard to do.
0: That's great, Amy. And I don't know, Elizabeth, what what comes to mind for you?
2: Well, what comes to mind for me is uh, support. And so when I went into the school year, I went to my principal and said, I would like to get rid of my desks and have tables. And I would like to do flexible seating. And I'm going to be doing this little maker space in the back. And is that okay? And does that work with what we're doing? And I have a very supportive principal that was all hands on deck for that whole thing and that really helped me to feel like okay I can do this I can change how I'm doing things I think the other thing that was really important for me was that during our uh, workshop we talked a lot about failing forward and making mistakes so that we can further ourselves in our agenda if you will and that gave me a lot of permission to not be so worried about something not working. And if if flexible seating did not work, we had extra chairs in the storage area for that. If, you know, tables weren't available, we kept the desks for a year. You know, all of those things in case because I knew that failure was part of this. It's part of the design thinking for the kids, but it all had, also had to be part of the design thinking for me. I had to be willing to fail.
0: That's great. And I think it models for students how we think as adults. Often we're scared as parents and as teachers and as administrators to not see that problem solving process. And that's how students grow is they hear us say, oh, I don't know. That's a great question. Let's put that on our on our board of things we wonder about. And we maybe we can work on that later. What else are we wondering about or what else? might be an issue around here that we need to solve. And I saw that happening in both of your classrooms, which is great. Over the next couple years, and I guess in that first year, we checked in quite a bit with each other as a cohort. I think good professional development doesn't end at that workshop, but we checked on each other. Through those processes, we did some panels with professionals in the field in our city. And then we also had uh, cohorts of design thinking teachers in the summers that followed. Over the years, what other projects or moments of design thinking uh, come to mind from your classrooms?
2: So for me, the very next year, I think, um, my students were learning about Mother Teresa. And one of the things that we had talked about were orphanages. And the kids really, really, really wanted to do something. They wanted to do something to help an orphanage. They wanted to do something to honor Mother Teresa and so one of the things that i you know i said how might we do that and they said they wanted to make money and i was like oh good how can how can we do this and make it part of our curriculum and also just worthwhile and they ended up doing a market day although they didn't raise a ton of money after we paid for all the materials it was such a learning experience for them and they had to come up with so many different ideas to sell but also I had them organize the whole thing so you know where were we going to have it what would we need to be in that room Um, who would handle money what about the math like all of these different things had to be planned out but it really started with the empathy and the the love um, for Mother Teresa and I liked that that also pulled in our Catholic faith
0: Absolutely. I love um, your willingness. I'm hearing here of letting them lead. It reminds me of the Montessori model um, and the Reggio Emilia concept of preschools of letting students interest and their desire, especially in this moment. And our, our Catholic students want to help the world, right? They think of the common good. They want to follow role models. They want social justice. And in these moments, even with the youngest students, I'm hearing that you let them lead and you brought the learning to that. Um, and that's very empowering for our students. Thank you for sharing that part. Amy, how about you? What other things happened over the years?
1: Well, for one thing, um, like I said earlier, I switched to a fourth and fifth grade multi-age and that really lent itself um, to doing design thinking because I have the fourth and fifth grade curriculum to cover. The kids loop with me, so I I really look at two years out, how to plan the curriculum to make sure I cover fourth and fifth grade curriculum. And design thinking just lends itself very well, especially for science and social studies, because I'll look at the standards and I'll see a a crossover or a a similarity between fourth and fifth grade in science or social studies. And I think, all right, how might we, have a project that could tie these together. And we'll have those discussions and they'll say things like, well, we could design this. Okay, let's talk about that. How would that look in the classroom? What would we need to do? Um, One of the first fourth and fifth grade projects they did was um, a NASA contest where they were designing a settlement for space. That actually was the year that we spent a week at the Grand Rapids Public Museum for Immerse, um, a, a wonderful program and and the kids had a look at how grand rapids was settled what did those early settlers have to do in order to create a settlement and then they had to transfer that knowledge to creating a settlement in space and they they did a great job and they entered the contest they all got little certificates which really validated their work and this year we're working on a a design for um, a habitat which will reduce the impact of of human effects on uh, animals, and we'll be spending a week at Zoo Lab to really study that. So it really um, broadens their horizon for thinking through that problem and how to solve things that they see. And, and I think, you know, another thing we, we looked at that first summer was in business and in what people have um, to face in, in everyday businesses, they have to really think about how can we work together to solve this problem?
0: couple things that you said there really stood out to me. One is this ability to transfer. And we know this is true of how students learn. If they learn something well, they can transfer it to new scenarios. And I think that's so critical to our concept of stream that when we do cross-curricular, r- real-world problem solving, we are able to transfer our knowledge and skill set to new scenarios. And that is how we're gonna get to the heart of Laudato C. That is how we're gonna get to the heart of Catholic social teaching, is by teaching students that what they are learning can apply to impacting the world. And I'm hearing it in both of the examples that you give. Okay, we could talk about this all day. I really wanna get to this school year and talk a bit about Okay, the fall of 2020 is different than any um, launch of a school year we've had in our careers, and I am wondering, um, in each of your schools, you were approved for in-person instruction, so the bulk of your students, if I'm understanding it correctly, the bulk of your students have been in the classroom with you. Um, so far this school year, and I would imagine you also have some remote learners, um, short-term or long-term remote learners for the year. And when I think about design thinking, I think about maker spaces and hands-on and project-based and really being in community with each other. Uh, I think of post-it notes all over the place and everyone touching everything. So much of that is not in the regulations for the school year. So I am dying to know, how did you make the concept of design thinking possible in this school year?
1: Wow, you, you really hit the nail on the head with the challenges we faced. Just like Elizabeth, I too had um, da- or tables. I had four big tables and then I had a corner that was actually was more like a fourth of the room was um, design thinking and I had a high top table and I had bins with all sorts of fun stuff. I literally would tell my parents, you know, don't put it in, you know, the garbage or recycling, send it in. If it's something odd, we could use it, send it. And so I just, over the years, created so many cool things for the kids to just walk over design thinking, grab something they needed and start building. And that came to a screeching halt this year. And I had to get rid of that high top table and my desk or my tables and couches. And I had to have desks spread out. And the room is practically all desks. And I thought, how can we still do this in this environment and be safe? And I, I just got a bunch of big Ziploc gallon bags. And whenever we're doing a design thinking project, I gather up what I think they probably will need in their groups and then hand it out, walk around the room, hand it out. They leave it on their desk. Then I allow each group just a, a, a moment To go to Design Thinking and pick anything else they think they might need. They put everything in their Ziploc bag or they put it under their desk. And then I have, um, you know, Google Meets where the kids literally, they can stay at their seat, but they can meet with their group. And I have, I I utilize Padlet a lot, which is an online source. And each group is, is assigned a Padlet where they can collaborate and just put their ideas in there, put their drawings in there. and. It's been difficult, and yet we've still been able to accomplish some really cool things. They just designed um, a home that would withstand the effects of a natural disaster. And it was just thrilling to see that they really had um, something that they could create. And, And remember, I had these fifth graders last year as fourth graders. So they knew what kind of a classroom I had and I didn't want them to be disappointed, you know? And, and they really, um, they took the leadership role in that sense where they said, okay, we could do this um, instead of this. And I really valued their input during this, this transitional time.
0: I'm hearing you say, Amy, that, so you layered the technology on top of, so they're in person, yet you leverage the technology in front of you to use Google Meet, um, and Padlet, even though they are physically in the room with you, I would imagine that also helped if you had any virtual learners at the same time feel included in part of these processes. Did you have virtual learners also?
1: Yes, I have. um, I have a student who's been virtual the whole year and then I have other kids who are kind of in and out due to contact tracing and all that fun stuff Um, and we just stay connected. We are constantly um saying okay you know talk with your group okay you guys need to meet again all right two thirty is good just just log on go to and i have on my canvas different small groups so they can say okay we're going to meet at small group number one and they just all jump on that and, you know we're going to meet at small group number two and they jump on that link and so they, it, you have to put those things in place i guess don't think you know oh i can't do this think, how can I do this still and continue?
0: Right, and that's us using design thinking as educators. How might we make this possible? How might we continue uh, group projects and and all of this work in this era? I, I love that. Okay, I, we got to switch over to Elizabeth. I'm okay. dying to know, what has this school year felt like and how were you able to continue design thinking?
2: Well, it was a big shock to the system. I still do have my tables. They're just... Distanced more. Um, and our physical space is definitely changed. Um, I was lucky enough to get uh, or to have an aid this year. I have a fairly large class. And so I'm able to do more sanitizing of materials um, that everyone would have to use, not small things that they have in their pencil boxes, but, you know, things that only I would have. Um, but I think our biggest, and even though it wasn't a like a planned problem my class a couple weeks ago was uh, quarantined and what was so funny and what what I saw from them and the growth in the design thinking process was figuring out how to do all of this online and have our math and have our you know our read aloud and all of that stuff with all of the different problems that come up when you're doing virtual teaching So there was one day where they could just not find, see me on our Google Meet. And they were getting frustrated. I was getting frustrated. And someone typed in the text box, how might we solve this? And it, for me, it was awesome. For me, it was like, okay, slow your roll. It's okay. You know, (laughs) we're going to figure this out. And one of these kids is gonna (laughs) probably solve all the problems. And I ended up just moving myself into a stairwell in my home um, where I had better reception. And it was not the sweet classroom setup I had going in the room, but we got what we needed to do done. And just the way that they handled going virtual, you know, this, we, we actually only had to be quarantined for 10 days because of the new CDC guidelines, but, That was enough to test out all of our patients. Um, And, you know, it was such a quick, you know, we didn't need to get into a huge routine, um, but it was enough that it shifted everybody. But just the way that they turned it around, the way that they came at it with uh, open arms and problem solving, it was really, really, really cool to see.
0: I'm sure. And I, you know, these moments where you watch students apply that thinking, again, transfer. When that student said, how might we solve this? It's like, it's our job as teachers to put ourselves out of a job. Like, okay, I taught them how to think in this open-ended way. And this is a life skill. This is how they're going to be able to solve tomorrow's problems in the world. That's always relieving as a teacher, isn't it? Yeah, they definitely took the pressure off
2: me for that moment and it was like oh so something that i've been saying all along has caught and they're taking it so much further than i ever intended it to to go
0: and that happens in small ways right we give students sentence stems and ways to get their writing moving and all of that but in a big picture way to say how might we solve this problem or how we how do we best identify the problem and then try to solve it is, uh, is really where we're going with
1: this. Well, I think 2020 showed us that, that these kids are gonna have to reinvent themselves probably several times in their careers. And I think if we, if we really teach them how to be flexible and how to think outside the box and how to push themselves beyond what they thought they ever could do, I think they're gonna be just really great members of society. Um, You know, with our with my last project where they were designing the home to withstand a natural disaster, when they, I said, think crazy thoughts, think outside the box thoughts, think what would be so cool if this could happen, and I said, don't worry about really figuring out how to make it happen. Just come up with the idea, because as adults, you're going to probably have someone else that can figure out the logistics of how to make it happen. You be the person that's going to come up with the really great idea that could possibly change the way we do things.
0: Yeah, and it's not, it's not the way we have always thought as adults. And we use design thinking among school administrators last spring and and this fall. Uh, I was still in my spot as assistant superintendent and we had to have big design thinking. Um, And we used, you know, an online board um, to get us our jam board in Google um, to get our sticky notes down to say how might we finish the school year? How might we launch Fall. Um, We had to put every crazy idea as adults. We had to put the wild ideas down on those sticky notes in order to get to what we needed to do. And I think we are modeling that in fun, goofy ways with young kids, but that's the type of thinking that everyone in this era needs. And so I appreciate in both of you hearing that you are modeling that type of thinking with students because they are going to be able to bring that gift into their lives. Yeah. And you know, one thing that comes
2: to mind right away is mask use. And I had a way that I thought we were going to keep our masks close to us all year long. And they have come up with their own different lanyards and different, you know, bungee cord situations. But they have to feel that permission to do it, right? Oh, for sure. I think that kids naturally will do some of it as long as they feel like they aren't gonna get in trouble for doing it wrong.
0: So what did they come up with? How yeah. might we keep our masks from, from leaving us? Yeah. You
2: know, we've tried different kinds of lanyards, like badge clip lanyards um, to hold on just a piece of the ear tie. We had a parent donate ones that were more like glasses holders. So it had like something for each side. Um, some kids have attached another band to hold it so that their ears don't get hurt and it kind of holds it behind their head. Some kids have just used it differently and actually a sixth grader uh, showed me how I could use one of the lanyards that had like a little, um, I don't know what the word for it, but like a movable circle piece at the back um, to put that closer up on top of my head and tight so that my mask didn't even have to go around my ears. Um, They're just coming up with all A hundred million different ways to do this to make it comfortable
0: I'm glad that they're finding the joy in these moments okay final question for each of you I want to know um, strong teachers are always pushing themselves even in the hardest of years you're constantly learning and trying new things so what learning experiences or new things are you looking forward to in your classroom in the coming months
2: well, I am um, still doing or I am doing and continuing to do the immersed program at Grant at the Grand Rapids Public Museum. And we did not get to go last year. It's something that all third graders know they get to do now. And that was heartbreaking. So I'm really looking forward to doing that with my students. That gets a lot of our design thinking because we do a project for that as well. Um, and I'm really excited to get there and do that. I'm also just excited now that you know, the first part of the school year is over, and I feel like they understand the model. And we are so far ahead academically because we, at least at our school, I'm sure Amy feels the same way, kind of went out of the gate rushing so that we could, you know, get as much as we needed to do done in fear that we were going to go virtual again. So we're ahead academically, and so it's nice to have that little bit of padding to just spend
0: a little more time doing and trying and failing. I just wanna recognize how how much pressure we're putting on ourselves as teachers. So you both need to hear and all listeners need to hear that you are probably your worst critic and how much you're trying to cover and get to um, because the doing is the good part. And so um, letting go of all that pressure Knowing that our, our kids will be okay, regardless of how much content we get through this year and those relationships and the processes of thinking is where all of the gains will
1: come from. I definitely agree with you and I, I felt the same way Elizabeth did where I just kept saying at the beginning of the year, just give me two weeks, just please give me two weeks with these kids so I can really get some things in place so when we go virtual, we can still do all the really cool things that I thought we could do this year and wow, here we are. Um, we finished our first quarter, we're into our second, and we're gonna be finishing that in January, and we're just feeling so blessed to be here. Um, one thing, well, first of all, we're going to Zoo Lab in April, so like Elizabeth uh, with Immerse, it's a really cool experience this year, we do Zoo Lab. I'm so glad we're gonna to get to do it because it's in April, it's outside. I think we'll be in good shape to get to do it. I'm kind of thinking, how cool it's gonna be and what joy we're gonna have. And this may not happen, but if at some point we're able to let down our guard a little, and how might we reconfigure the classroom and a release of things that we might be able to start doing again, maybe even at the end of this school year. And I think it'll be really interesting to see if we are allowed to do that. If there is, what kind of transformation takes place? And I feel like the basis of what they know about design thinking will obviously carry over, but I think they will realize the blessings of being able to really be so much more personal with each other in the design thinking process. Yes, we've made it work with the computer and Google Meets and so forth, but you really need to have that that um, communication face-to-face in a more personal setting. And I think they're gonna just have great joy when that happens.
0: I think so too. And I am excited by, it sounds like all of your students in both of your classrooms are gonna be well positioned to understand uh, the adult perspective to some degree of how might we return to a pre-COVID society in as many ways as we can um, and having those types of conversations from a design thinking point of view is so much more powerful than just telling students what the rules are and that they have to follow it for the sake of following it is so such a different conversation we have with our, res- you know, respectful, joyful um, students who care about the world. So I, I am so thankful for both of you. I think we're going to need to wrap this up and I, we could talk all day, I'm sure. But I am so thankful that you took time to talk with NCEA today about what's happening in your classrooms. I wish you all the best as we get into the new year and the rest of the school year.
1: Well, Jill, thank you for having us. And uh, for all the teachers and administrators out there, we're here for you. If you um, want to talk some more, we're here for you.
2: Yeah, and we are praying for everybody's safety and sanity um, in in these very interesting times. But it was a joy to really have uh, time to talk about something that we're both passionate about.
0: Thank you all for today's NCA podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time. God bless.